So, Russell, I have a little bit of a story for you today. Oh, story time with Jelly. It is the story of a lovely lady. Wait, 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 wait. Was she bringing up three lovely girls? Yeah, yeah, they were, yeah. Hmm. And all of them had hair of gold, like their mother, the youngest one Uh, in curls. uh, Wait, was there another guy somewhere? His name was, let's say, Randy, (laughs) and uh, he had three boys of his own? It's true, except actually this is not the story that I was pr- planning on uh, planning on telling. Oh, I was looking forward to the bit where all nine of them were kind of looking out of those squares at each other. <laughs> quite a fun moment. All right. Well, what's your story then? So the story is that in the last year or so, we've been seeing uh, in the tech press just kind of on again, off again. Is that the word? Wax oh, on, wax off? Your story again, is Kanye. Where Apple has been kind of getting a bit, um, I want to say dist, dist about their software quality. So people are throwing shade at the quality of their software, as <laughs> we're saying. I'm guessing. I'm guessing that's how it works. So I mean, it's it's been happening, uh, you know, for the last year or maybe a little bit longer. The real kind of kick off point was the whole Discovery D thing from from last year. Do you remember oh, that? Uh, they were good times when yeah. you couldn't connect to the Mac next year when you had yeah. 25 Apple TVs even though you only owned <laughs> one. Exactly, exactly. And so that kind of got a lot of people talking about how like Apple's software quality has kind of been in decline um, and then kind of in the last month or so it resurfaced again when somebody else kind of discovered that, wow, actually, there are all these kind of crazy little bugs that really annoy me, and so maybe Apple's software quality is declining. Yeah, I think we're allowed to mention him. Walt Mossberg, one of the most famous tech reviewers in the world, opened iTunes, and he's like, oh, my goodness, this is a mess. Yeah, yeah. And then he wrote an article about it, and that's, I think, significant because anyone else can write, like, I can write an article, you can write an article, but Walt Mossberg has been covering Apple for... I don't know if it's just longer than anyone else, but it's pretty damn close to, to longer than anyone else. He used to have meetings with Steve Jobs. You know, he regularly goes to that company. That's that's a big right. deal. Yeah. No, it's a huge deal. And, I mean, everybody has kind of stories about kind of weird stuff that happens. Here's one that I've been having. Ready? Are you ready for this? I'm ready for this. Sometimes when I log off my computer at the end of the day, like I'll go, I'll put it to sleep using the little thing in the menu bar. Oh, so not using like chloroform and a rag or anything like that? No, no. Okay. It's not Santa Claus. And <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, I will come back in the morning and I'll open up my computer and I'll get like presented with the, you know, you need to enter a password screen and I'll type in the password, uh, the, the correct password, and it will be like, no, nah, try again. I'll type it in again. No, try again. I'll check my caps lock and I'll try all the things and no, no, try it again. And then when I do finally get on there, it has reset my accessibility setting for reduced transparency. It keeps turning it on for some reason. (laughs) Apple's like, yes, this is what you really want to jelly. Let us tell you. I, I have a similar one. Every time I come back, so let's say I go to a meeting or I go out to lunch, if I leave my computer for more than, say, 45 minutes, and this is only a recent in the last two or three small iterations of OS X, that yep. my computer does not seem to be able to wake up the screen. Like I can smash the space bar, I can wiggle the mouse, I can do whatever I want. I actually have to go to the back of it, unplug the Thunderbolt port, move it yep. one port over, plug it back in, and the screen turns on. And then you can see everything I've been mashing the keyboard with is actually <laughs> on the screen. So it was awake the whole time. It just decided it does no longer want to send a signal to the monitor to be like, hey, wake up. 
See, I just thought you'd taken your cat to work, and that's why I was getting like the messages <laughs> of random characters. It, I mean, it's a tiny thing, but I just notice it every day now. And it wasn't like that, say, in OS 10. God, even the version numbering is getting weird. 10.11.1 is, I feel, like when that started, and it hasn't been like fixed since. And I, I don't know where to file that because, like, how on earth do you even begin to, like, file a bug like that? Yeah. So this is only the first part of the story. This is only the first part. A lot of people thought that we were just going to talk about, like, Apple software decline, and they are wrong. Dun, dun. So the other part of the story is the is that, and I'm sure that you remember this. Kind of the last few years, especially kind of after the iPhone was uh, was first launched. I'm talking like original iPhone. Yeah, so you're talking 2007, I think. Yeah, so kind of a little bit after that, all the way up to relatively recently. Every time they would release a new version of the iPhone or a new whatever they'd be hit with like some article about like apple is doomed they can't innovate they're no they're no longer actually you know creating amazing new things they're just you know regurgitating the same old same old do you rem- do you, have you seen those oh i've definitely seen those in fact i was sitting 10 meters from phil schiller when he got up on stage at uh, wwdc i want to say 2014 and he he whispered the words, can't innovate my ass, after the Mac Pro was introduced. So clearly yeah. he'd heard them as well. Yeah. So they've been clearly hearing this stuff. And so here's the question. Here's the rub. Do you think that the constant insistence from the tech press, from their users, from kind of everybody in the general populace that cares about Apple products at all, from all of these people's insistence to you need to innovate, you need to innovate, you need to innovate over and over and over again, do you think that they've kind of gone to a point where now they're trying to innovate over creating solid foundations for products? Because you think about it, like, in the last year, since kind of all this stuff has been happening, we've had uh, we've had the watch, the Apple Watch, we've had a new Apple TV, we've had new software, new hardware like the Pencil, and we've also had like two new OSs. So we've got Watch OS 2 and we've got TV OS, um, plus all the usual stuff. So, you know, they've refurbished the Macs, the iPhones, the iPads. They've got uh, iOS and all that sort of stuff. All those sort of releases have been coming out. Do you think that this kind of trek for innovation has put them on a back foot as far as software quality? Do, well, do, do I think that's put them on a back foot? I think... I think there's a lot of different things going on here and it's hard to just pull out one of them and go like, yeah, this is the reason. So I'll, I'll give you a few ideas. Like one is I first came to the Mac uh, with the PowerBook G4. So that was still when they were on um, uh, not x86 processors. They were on the Gosh, PowerPC. PowerPC. That's what they were called. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that, that thing was like it had it had a lot of flaws that I didn't notice at the time. So one, it was like leg-burningly hot. Like whatever processor they jammed in there clearly – you know, wasn't on the edge of actually being allowed to be in a laptop because you could, I reckon you could almost cook eggs on the back of that thing. You know, I use iPhoto, I use these other things. And I remember I've been kind of digging through my screenshots and looking through various things. And, and that yep. thing used to kernel panic. Like I had kernel panics, I had problems with iPhoto. But I think at the time I was so enamored with the whole Apple ecosystem and how much better it seemed than Windows, which you know, what I was used to, the hardware was nicer, the software, just everything seemed nicer, that I think I was willing to give them 
much more of a pass. It's like if iPhoto took 10 seconds to launch, you know, instead of one, I'd be like, oh, well, you know, it's iPhoto. I really like it. I like cataloging my photos. This is nice. And I wonder if part of it's not that we have greater expectations now. So I've been using Apple stuff for like many, many, many years. And now if I open one of their products and it takes seconds to 10 seconds to launch, I'm like, what the hell? Or if there's a spinning beach ball, I'm like, you know, this this is not good. And I do wonder if that's part of it. I do also think you're onto something, maybe not with they're trying too hard to innovate, but they're just trying too many things. Like you said, watchOS, tvOS, macOS, iOS, and so many other little, you know, things and some big things, you know, in between as well. Mm. And, you know, they, they're very passionate about keeping their team small, keeping everything small, keeping everything lean. And I do wonder if every time the cool new thing comes along, like, you know, when iOS came along and that was the hot new thing, I feel like the Mac lost something. Like, you know, a few good engineers, you know, traveled over to the other side. They, they even delayed the release of macOS at, at one stage. And the literal reason they, they put forth is, hey, iOS is, you know, taking longer than we expected. So it's, it's clear that there's some resourcing constraints there. And I think that's, that's also part of it. Like, I think if you want to talk about, having, you know, amazing attention to detail and paying attention to every, you know, single last thing to engineer the perfect experience. I, I don't think you can do that if you understaff like a lot of projects or even if you ignore some things at, you know, the expense of others. Yeah, I think I would agree with you that like that they do seem to be kind of stretching themselves into a lot of different directions. And I'm not sure that it's been necessarily the greatest thing for their products, but it's also I mean, it is kind of what we've been demanding of Apple for, you know, for a long time. Like I said, they've been getting kind of, you know, told that they can't innovate. And so, well, they've, they went out and they did their darndest and, uh, they, you know, they, they created new products. And I've said before that they listened to, you know, what the, what you, what the public is saying, you know, they quietly just sitting behind their walled, you know, the wall that surrounds their garden. And they they listen with their parabolic mics. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's a lot scarier like, than imagining they're turning on all the microphones and all our iPhones and, and listening in that way. So let, let's go yeah. with your suggest. No, that well, they listen to like the tech press, and the tech press, for better or worse, does somewhat reflect kind of you know the problems that most people struggle with i think to at least to a certain extent do you think that that kind of has played into the fact that they've you know they're pushing innovation more than they seem to be pushing quality well yes and no like i think you're right they definitely read the tech press you know they're often seen quoting the the tech press when it's you know in their favor they'll put it up in keynotes and they'll they'll mention it every now and again um and I do think that that can drive things. Like if someone like Walt Mossberg gets up and he's like, iTunes is broken. I mean, let's let's pretend there's not already a redesign of that underway, which there might be for all we know. If there isn't, then I guarantee you that causes some kind of conversation inside Apple to be like, is this something we need to have a look at? And that might have been a conversation that happened before and it might not have been. So I guess what I'm trying to say is it's entirely possible that you know articles written can influence things inside of Apple, but I don't. I think I'd put my finger on that and say like, oh, that's that's the number one cause is that the tech press has pushed, you know, Apple too hard and now they're they're stretched. Like I, th- I have a feeling that they've always been the kind of company that wants to attempt like, you know, bold new things and they've always been the kind of company who who is very confident, you know, in the stuff they launch. I just, I just wonder like with some of the re- recent releases, especially the Apple Watch and the Apple TV, yep. it felt like in both of those cases if they had held on to it for another maybe six months to a year, we, we could have had a far more polished, you know, version one out the gate. Like I remember getting the 
the Apple Watch once that initial few days of like, oh, wow, this is amazing, wore off, and just being frustrated with the thing. I'm like, why Why is it when I press a little icon, it takes 10 seconds of spinny before like anything happens? Like, why is this like this? Why is that? Like, yeah. just a whole bunch of little things. And the TV was the same. It's like, okay, enter your Netflix password. And at the time, you couldn't pair your phone with it. So it's like, okay, well, fine. I'll scrub backwards and forwards through your stupid keyboard to try and enter my Netflix password, which I, I believe they fixed since, but... Why not prioritize that for day one? Like, why not say it's a top priority to make, you know, the experience of our users above all else? I guess there's that line. It's like, when do we ship this? And I feel like recently they might have been, you know, just shipping things a little bit too early. Okay. So, I mean, you run a, you run a company of, of, of your own, obviously, Shifty Jelly. You create products um, like Pocket Casts and Pocket Weather and that's all. <laughs> but for different product for different uh for different devices um and i'm i mean i create I'm, i create products of my own as well and it's the sort of thing where there is a balance that you have to strike do you would you agree with that oh there are, there are so many balances you have to strike not <laughs> when you're running a company and also obviously when you're trying to ship a product there's right there's a million sort of competing things that you're trying to balance to try and get something out the door but eventually so what i'm kind of trying to lay down is that uh eventually like I mean, you. I would assume that at uh, at, at Shifty Jelly, uh, not no relation, uh, you would prioritize the user experience. Yeah. Well, it depends what you mean prioritize. Like we definitely prioritize that above a lot of other things. Yeah. But at a certain point, you would have to say, okay, well, there is a, there's diminishing returns on this because, I mean, like it or not, you're also a company, and so therefore profits have to play into it. Yeah, and more so, I guess. So, if you look at a company like Apple, they they are so big that they could earn, and they have so much money in the bank, they could not earn money for ages, and they'd still be around. The the thing that drives them is um, they have public shares, so they have to increase profits. That's what shareholders want. That's the whole point of selling people shares: is profits must go up. We're driven by something slightly different. It's we're, we're basically like profits can't go into not profits. What, what do they call those things? <laughs> losses. We can't be yep. making losses because. We have to pay people and when we stop paying people, then um, the magic wears off and people go home and they're like, I like to be paid for my work, you scumbags. So for us, there is that motivation and we actually had a point, I think it was 2012, where we were actually running out of money and we had to make some decisions based on that and we had to ship a version of Pocket Weather, I think, a full three weeks before we planned to uh, simply because we did all the graphing and we're like, huh, bank balance goes to zero here. I, I guess that's when we'll be shipping this new like paid update. So two decisions there like one we shipped a paid update after four years of you know the the previous one so it had been you know two dollars 49 or whatever in australia for four years and then we're like no this is a brand new app so the main driver behind that was like we we need the money like it's simple as that which i mean it's been four years it felt fair as well but at the same time if we didn't need the money i mean we could have gone five we could have gone six like who knows it was that the fact that we needed that money in our bank account actually led to some decisions. I'd say in that case, it, it worked out in our favor. You know, we trimmed some things that um, the users never knew, like we're missing in the first place, some new features that we'd added. And we put those in, you know, several sort of updates later. So what, what I'm kind of getting from this, and this is something that I kind of notice in my own kind of uh, dealing with creation of products and having, you know, done uh, client work and all that sort of stuff previously that um, there's kind of a diminishing, like there's kind of a level at which or a point at which you get diminishing returns from like continuing to like to polish. 
And oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah, like you get to the point where the more polished you, you, the more polished that you add, the more polished a product it is. Is it's not about even about like having it released on time and or you know getting it out the door or you know vaporware or all that sort of stuff. Like all that sort of stuff is you know is is real and everything. But at a certain point, like you're essentially spending paid time because you know you're your employees are working, they're getting paid for their hours. Theoretically, you know, you have to sell a certain amount of, you know, software in order to be able to continue to pay them to work on said software. So at a point you kind of the the amount of polish that's being added is actually is actually causing you losses. So there's like this this point of diminishing returns where you, you start to polish too much and you start to like you your Deadlines go out, and your, um, but you're not going to get any extra users, um, and you're not going to make any extra sales and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, no, there definitely is that point. So, if you think about it from an app design point of view, like you, you want something to be like as amazing as it can be, but at some point when you're working on a particular, you know, feature or screen, then you know you, you add some touches, you make it really nice. You can you can spend like another week or two adding even more animations, even more little touches, things that I guess you hope will kind of delight your customers and people will notice. But if you do that for every single part of your app, like you could end up spending easily like six months more than than you probably should have like releasing something. And while each one of those individual decisions can be like, well, you want to add as much polish as you, as you can, like it would be stupid not to. If you add all that up, you're like, well, actually we have to make some tough decisions here. You know, we can have this version of the screen, which is good, or we can have this version of the screen that's amazing. We're going to have to go with good because, you know, we don't have three months to, to build amazing. You know, that those are the kind of decisions we, yeah, we have to make every day. And I'm sure this is exactly what you're talking about. Like, you have to mm. as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, there's a, there is a certain point where it's just it becomes for many reasons, really. Like, there's a whole lot of reasons as to why you, you just need to stop and get it out the door. But, I mean, one of the one of the key things that you have to think about when you are running a business, when you're selling, you know, when you're selling software as a product uh, or just, you know, selling products in general, you have to kind of go, okay, well, at this point, I'm going, like, I'm starting to run out of money and I just have to ship. I just, just it has to be done. But I think you know you you can make that choice kind of before that point if you uh, if you're smart about it, I guess. Yeah, I mean, there's there's the other factor as well is that sometimes when you add polish, you actually can introduce future problems. So, with the example of animations, if you add a whole bunch of animations and you've you've essentially introduced a whole bunch of things that require timing and you know various levels of synchronization, you've actually increased the complexity of the thing you're putting out. So that when you go to do the next update, you know, it's it's hard to remove polish. You can't be like, well, man, these animations are causing me headaches. I'm just going to pull them all out because users are now used to them. They're like, hey, what happened? Like, this used to be really nice. So it's like you can also paint yourself into a corner as you add more polish. It's not like if you spend an infinite amount of time on something, it gets infinitely better, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. So at some point, you would have to make the choice. So when do you... When it work, when it comes to like pocket weather or pocket casts, when do Shifty Jelly make that decision? Okay, okay it's it, that's enough polish. We need to get it out the door. Ah, uh, that's a tough one because we generally have like a minimum feature set that we're trying to ship, mm-hmm. but there are always a whole bunch of external factors. So, for example, we had a release of Pocket Weather that we had to ship before Christmas, 
And we had to ship before Christmas because it relied on a whole bunch of stuff, like to get new tire data and to get in before the app store closed for the year. We had to hit a certain deadline, and that was that was an external constraint that we hit like really hard because to miss that is to wait two or three weeks into the new year to ship it, and then also to wait for the review process and to wait for everything else. Like it can essentially add, you know, a month before you can get things in users' hands, and that yeah. that was a month that we weren't prepared to wait. And I mean, if I'm being deadly honest, like we shipped something that that had some known bugs in it. We're like, okay, this has some bugs. We we know we know what some of them are. Um, but we're still we think that the price of not getting this out is actually higher than, you know, the price of holding it back and then, you know, trying to fix all these individual bugs. So do you think that that's the sort of thing that's playing into the releases of OS ten, iOS and stuff like that that we're getting? Do you think that it's a matter of a lot of external constraints uh, mean that they have to ship software that isn't necessarily up to scratch. Yeah, I think I think it definitely is a factor because if you look at a lot of the hardware that goes out from Apple, like it's very rare to get a piece of hardware and you're like, oh well, clearly that's not like as polished as it could be. The, the hardware coming out of Apple is generally, you know, 100% polished. It looks amazing. It works, you know, amazing. And then the software has to ship with that hardware. So like you've got a new iPhone you know, coming out every single September. And that's, you could argue that's a deadline they've set for themselves, but that's now the expectation is that every September a new iPhone comes out. That's just how it is. You can like set your clock to it. And so yeah. if, if the hardware is ready to go and let's say iOS 10 this year isn't, then that's a really, a really, really bad PR thing to go like, here's the new iPhone. It runs the same OS as last year, but it's new hardware. Like they could do it. But that's a really hard sell and you start to get a lot of questions like well, where's where's the new features, where's the new OS, like what the hell's going on and I don't know, I don't know how I feel about that. Like I think that is contributing to the things that are happening in their software like having annual release cycles of iOS and also having ones that you have to sell to people so they, they get up on stage and they're like here's the, I think they call them flag pole, tent pole, tent pole features, you know, here's the five big things we added to iOS and if hmm. you're forced to do that every single time, like come up with big features that people want to buy in order to sell this amazing hardware that you've built, then I can see why that would sometimes get prioritized over like, oh, there's a UI view controller bug that 6,000 6, developers have reported. When you do this and they're like, yeah, we could fix that or we could like, you know, work on night mode or we could work on some fancy new like iOS 10 feature. And I, I can see that coming up in a meeting. They'd be like, okay, we only have time to do one of these. Which one should we do? Let's do the one that sells us more iPhones. Like I don't think that's that's a crazy decision to to think sort of goes down inside yeah okay so in in that regards rather than spending any time working on like the bugs that are currently in uh the upcoming release of pocket casts i have i have a new tent pole feature for you are you ready for this tent poles i'm ready yeah no it's it's, i'm gonna gonna put this on my website big letters yep big ones big ones right at the top this is this is super this is super awesome why what font should i use are you thinking like san francisco Uh, helvetica like uh, maybe Helvetica. Helvetica. Everybody loves Helvetica, right? That's yeah. Helvetica Neuer, right? Yeah, because everyone Helvetica loves Neuer. Neuer yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So what you do is your feature is that at the end of every podcast that users listen to, oh, I like this. You add a word. <sighs> Ooh, yeah, this could be powerful. So they know the podcast has ended. They're like, yeah, oh, that's I how they the know word. the podcast has ended because then it's like, have you ever seen like newspapers and stuff like that where they have like a little little like square block or they might like they might add the logo at the end of a newspaper article and that's how you know that yeah this is where the article ends have you seen that oh, it's a I have, thing. i've not but now i'm going to start looking for it but the problem yeah. is how, how do you come up with a word that 
is like universally recognizable. Like, oh. what what on earth word will we put at the end of every podcast? Because you remember, like, you got tech podcasts, you got sewing yeah. podcasts. I, yeah. I once listened to a podcast of a guy making balloons. Maybe if it's like um, the word, I'm forgetting the word. The word for like sound effects, you know, sound effects that are, are like as words. I forget what it's called. I want to say onomatopoeia. Onomatopoeia. Just made that up. Yes, that is the that is the word. Yes. Yes, yes. Yeah, onomatopoeia. Ah, uh-huh, so like meow is like the noise a cat yeah, makes. Yeah. It's also spelled yeah. that way. Yeah. Or like ribbit for a frog or whatever. But I, I've got I've got a good one. The, like because the the sounds that that animals can make is is pretty kind of different between different places. Um, yeah, like French frogs probably make like a different ribbit to like English frogs and stuff. <laughs> the, they say, they ribbit. say ribbit. <laughs> <laughs> and Canadian ones are like ribbit, eh? <laughs> that's that's correct. And in New Zealand, they're like ribbit, sweeties. Sorry, yes. you had a word. It's not an animal right. word. So I'm thinking of an explosion. Uh, so every, at the end of every podcast, there is an explosion and just goes boom. 